comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's alright. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa, 88.5. <laughs> I forget where you were. <laughs> <laughs> Where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the silver-shoed Annie Ellis. Yes, I have on some of my favorite silver tasseled shoes. It's kind of like Very out of... Wizard of Oz. Yeah, well, sort of. I actually do have some red uh, glittery ones, too. <laughs> but these are these are more like the Mercury, right? Flying yes. through the air, which is it? My Gemini Mercury <laughs> is my sign. So there it is. Very good. Yes. So, uh, Annie, have you done anything sustainably minded the past week? Well, I mean, my usual composting, I've really been working on the composting big time. Uh, well, always. But I put in a lot more... Uh, green waste and uh, layered it. And I'm, um, you know, I'm having to add a little bit of water to mine. I hadn't been doing that. And it wasn't um, creating, you know, the microbe activities as fast as it needed to be. So I've been doing a little water and, you know, my next unlazy challenge is to turn it. I never do. <laughs> I was talking to someone this morning, uh, and both them and I have been in Tampa or Florida for about 12, 13 years. Okay. And I was talking to them about, hey, have you noticed that when we first moved here, it was out, the high of the summer was always 92, 93. Right. And it would rain every day at 3.30. Right. And now... It's like 95, 96, and yeah. it's not raining as no, much. No, and you know, I even noticed, I mean, I do use air conditioner, uh, and uh, it's really towards the end of the day, that, that is working. It can't even meet the number on my uh, gauge because it's so hot outside. Wow. Yeah, and I have, a, I have a flat roof, but it's white. It's painted white as for reflection, and it's a small house. So, you know, I don't know, it's it's... It's bad out there. I'm getting a lot of rain, though. You're not? Not in the past week. Really? Oh, I, I get it almost every day. Oh, you're lucky. I know. I really am. I've been su- supplementing some water, but not much. And plus, I have a couple of rain barrels, so I'm using those as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my parents are in from New York. All right. So, I have two unpaid interns this week to help out with the nursery. <laughs> You're working them to death. No, that's why they wait so long to come, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and last... Are they learning a lot, Kenny? Oh, yes. <laughs> and last uh, Tuesday, are you familiar with TED Ed Talks? Oh, yeah. You're on a couple of those, right? Yeah. So, last Tuesday, my fifth TED Ed Talk came <laughs> out. You're so famous. And... It is about worm charming and worm grunting. Have you ever heard of this? No, that uh, sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first is good. I don't get the bottom. So in the middle of Florida's <laughs> Apalachicola National Forest. Yeah, that best oysters used to anyway, not probably anymore. In about 120 years ago, fishermen f- learned that if they take a metal dowel and they put it in the ground... And then they rub a wooden board across from it. 
I have heard that. The vibrations cause thousands and thousands of worms to come up to the surface. Yes. So that is what my TED Ed talk is Did about. Did you do it? So I wrote the the lesson and then I uh, then TED Ed animates it and they do the voiceover. Yeah. So it just got published this past Tuesday and I uh, I'm not very good with, you know, negative feedback. <laughs> So, uh, so only it, drugs. So, so, it, <laughs> so it gets published. Yeah, and I look at it after an hour, and it has twenty seven thousand views. Oh wow! And you know, thousands and thousands of comments. Yeah, but adds. but I don't look at any of the comments. Da, da, da. And then my parents go, "Oh, your your video is doing so great! It has like three hundred thousand views." And I go, "No, thirty thousand views." And they go, "No, have you ch- checked it recently?" That fast. And then wow. I checked it today, and today's like day six, mm-hmm. and it has over half a million views. Isn't that a great About, group to be with? Yes, right? it is. Because you know, my uh, I think my web my uh, videos have about thirty views. <laughs> 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 well, well, I'm not on anything. Well, you know if you're I mean? with, uh, I'm not on anything. Well, if you're with TED, Ed, they already have a built-in. Oh, yeah. 16 million viewers. Yeah, they go. Viewers. Oh, this yeah. is the new one. Listen to this, right? Yes, exactly. Well, listen. Did you try that? Did that work? Okay, that's the thing. So, <laughs> in Northern Florida, it only works. Okay, the reason why it works is because when you make the vibrations, the vibrations mimic what the vibrations that moles and voles cause. Oh, so they would be coming to eat them so, so they want the, to get out of their So way. that the worms say, oh, I'm uh, going to come up yeah, to the surface because these animals are fossorial, which means they live under the ground. Yes. And then the worms historically have been safe for millions of years. Right. But in the past 120 years, the fishermen are like, oh, if I make this vibration, the worms think a worm oh, is chasing them. them. Exactly. So this only works in northern Florida, England and Ontario, Canada, and the real young worms, probably the ones that don't Actually, have knowledge. In, um, <laughs> in northern Florida, out, yeah. I forgot the genus, but the species is Mississippiensis, and these are twelve-inch-long, really skinny worms. When I was a little kid, we used to dig. Uh, I loved to dig in the dirt, and so we'd be under my my grandmother's giant magnolia tree. It was huge. It was like. Well, I was little, but still, it was probably 10 feet tall, seriously. And it was a tree. And so we'd get under there, we'd dig and dig, and we'd find worms. And the closer we got to the root, to the, mm. to the trunk, the bigger they were. And my brother, Mike, he was scared to get any <laughs> further because he thought they would turn into snakes. Even as a baby, <laughs> I realized that that was way out there, that like, oh, no, snakes are snakes, worms are worms. It was so funny. <laughs> I still remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to watch the video, just go to TED Ed, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll post it on Facebook. Later That's a good today idea too. to get a link on there, yeah. so we can. So, I like we've been putting a lot of links on our Facebook pages, so it's it'll much easier for you to access a lot of things. It's really good. I, I, the last one I wrote about the tree canopy, I think I put like uh, or I put them. Colleen posted them uh, about I don't know eight. Uh, links to to uh, grab onto. So, y'all go for it. Get on the Facebook page. Very good. So today we are talking with extension agents Sarah Kane and Alia Garrett about solving the energy burden for underserved community members and local nonprofits in Sarasota. And if you're not in Sarasota, we're going to figure out how we can apply that to counties elsewhere. Yeah. So stay tuned as we balance people, profit, and planet.
And I want to talk to uh, about each one of these uh, wonderful people. Uh, Sarah Kane manages the sustainability program for Sarasota County in the University of Florida slash IFAS, and that's I-F-A-S, in case y'all didn't know, Extension and Sustainability Department. She oversees sustainability improvements within government operations and the efforts to create a sustainable community across Sarasota County. And is it Alia? Alia. Alia. Thank you. I was really, I even Googled it and it wouldn't tell me anything. (laughs) (laughs) Alia Garrett is a sustainability programs outreach coordinator for Sarasota County in the University of Florida IFAS Extension and Sustainability Department. She's responsible for education, outreach projects to encourage sustainability. Uh, actions in the community. And we're so happy that you guys are here. I'm very interested in finding out more about this um, because, you know, welcome to the program, by the way, y'all. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, yeah, thank you. And you're welcome. And, you know, Kenny, he has a master's in the global sustainability, just like you guys. Of course, this guy's so educated. It's amazing. We went to the same college Did you at really? USF Patel. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? It's such a yeah. small world sometimes. Mm-hmm. So why did you guys uh, join the field of sustainability? That will be our first big question today. Okay. I guess, Sarah, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah sure. I can go first. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for having us today. And I I basically have a big environmental background. Um, I, I love the environment. And my passion kind of started with water. And um, I grew up in Nebraska, Be- being landlocked, um, didn't have a lot of coastal experience and seeing the beach for the first time when I was 10 years old, that's when I knew I really wanted to do something with the water and be by the water. And so um, when I went to um, school for my bachelor's degree, I moved to Texas and went to Texas A&M University in Galveston. And there I started scuba diving and um, doing some marine research. And when I first moved to Florida in 2005, I worked at Moat Marine Laboratory uh, for a couple years and mm-hmm. did some really cool projects there, dive research. And then um, I worked at the Sarasota Bay Estuary Program for six years in outreach. And that's when I really kind of had a passion for um, talking about science and the environment and communicating that to the general public. And at that time, I wanted to get my master's. And so I found the Patel College at USF and I started studying sustainability. And a job opportunity came up with the county and I've been with the county in sustainability for seven years now. And um, I like I like the focus in sustainability of all aspects of the environment. So I was a little bit more focused on water in the past, but now I get to work with energy Um, resiliency and all sorts of other different um, topics within sustainability. That really broadened your field, didn't it? That's that's great. It's funny how things happen. It makes you get out of one spot into every spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Elia, Elia, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Thank you. I'll get it one day. I wrote it down phonetically. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that now. So what did did you, uh, why did you join the field of sustainability? 
Well, some of my earliest and best memories are of myself and my family outdoors and just doing um, like camping or going to the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes in Michigan. So when I went to school, I first started with my bachelor's in environmental politics. And then just as Sarah mentioned, um, I wanted to get involved in sustainability because it's more holistic. It includes people, planet and profit, not just focusing on that environmental field. Um, so I ended up going to the Patel College um, at USF and I did a graduate internship at Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute and learned a lot about uh, that coastal side of things and graduated with my master's and an opportunity opened up at the county and I've been with them about a year now. So what did you just call it? Did you say the Harvard branch of coastal? So it's Harbor Branch Oceanographic. Yeah, and it's in Fort Pierce. Um, It's an extension of Florida Atlantic University, and they're a research campus. Okay. Uh, I was writing it down. I like to make notes for the write-up at the end, so I'd like to get everything right. Um, So, Sarah... Uh, Your responsibilities include promoting energy efficiency, green building practices, renewable energy, electric vehicles, and waste reduction strategies in the county and to residents and businesses. Uh, We're talking specifically today about inequity uh, for underserved community members. And what is equity and inequity as it relates to sustainability, please? Great. Yeah. So in sustainability, there's three different pillars. One is the environment and one is the people that live in our society and the economy or people, planet, profit. So we like to, you know, put that out there because in sustainability, sometimes we just focus on the environmental aspects and sometimes we focus on the economic aspects, but oftentimes we don't focus on all three aspects. And to be truly sustainable, you really do have to focus on all three of those pillars and really work with the people in your community. So what equity is, is basically making sure that all residents, regardless of their race, their gender or their background, the neighborhood they live in, that they're fully able to participate in the region's economic vitality, contributing to our readiness for the future and connect with our assets and resources. And there's a really good infographic out there um, that talks about the difference between equality and equity. So equality means sameness. And that means that everyone is giving the same opportunities And it promotes fairness and justice by giving everyone the same thing. But we really need to think about equity, which is fairness. And that is about making sure that people get access to the same opportunities because people might start at different levels um, in our society. And we need to make sure that they're getting the resources and programs and financial resources that... um, that everyone deserves the opportunity to have, even if we're starting at different places. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So you're both in the sustainable sustainability division at the UF IFAS Extension Office. Do all offices and all counties have this division? Yeah, oh, that's a good question because all um, counties in the state of Florida have an extension office. So we, um, you know, we're one of 67 counties 
In Sarasota County, ours is a little bit unique because our we have a separate department for our extension office. And the sustainability program actually started in 2002 with the county, and we've been under different departments and divisions throughout our history. But about 10 years ago, we moved into the extension department, which is a separate department of our county. Well, I want to ask before you go, uh, so you're saying that all counties have, well, I know that they all have an extension service, but do they all have this specific? Is that what you were going to ask? I'm sorry, Kenny, go ahead. Yeah, so do you know if like Hillsborough County or Pasco County or Pinellas County, do they also have sustainability divisions specifically? Yes, yeah, actually we have a whole network here in Florida with local government sustainability staff. Not every uh, sustainability program is under the extension, so we're kind of unique in that way, but Hillsborough County has sustainability staff. The cities, um, most of the cities do, Manatee County, and Pinellas County and the cities all have sustainability staff. Yes. All right. That's so. How do the, how does somebody then find that? Like, if they, you know, we know how to find you. But mm-hmm. if somebody was looking, because you say it's under different categories, if somebody was looking for their particular county, how would they find your particular help unit? How would they find that in a you know on the internet or whatever? Yeah, most of them are just, our programs are just sustainability programs. They could be also sustainability and resilience programs. And um, most major cities and counties in the state of Florida and actually throughout the nation have these sustainability staff that work on these types of programs. So it's just a matter of kind of <laughs> doing a little research online so to try me, to find the right So reason. let me just ask, you know, because I just write out massive things and then I look it up and it tells me every time I mean I say no you shouldn't write it that way I'm like no it works perfectly <laughs> Google knows what you mean yeah they know what I'm talking about I'm wordy so but if you wrote in sustainability and uh, residual programs Hillsborough County something like that probably something would come up and whatever your county would be right yeah yeah and, and it's all under local government sustainability so local, local government government's. sustainability staff yeah. There might be someone dedicated specifically to um, like what Aaliyah and I do yeah. um, and have a little bit of the outreach and education side. And then some counties and cities have more of the energy side to it. So they might have an energy coordinator, but most of the big cities and counties will have a sustainability manager or a sustainability coordinator. Okay. All right, that's very good. So yeah, kn- thank you. So now we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of, the, <laughs> of this show. You're a vegetarian, come on. Uh, <laughs> the tofu and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sarah, can you tell us, does Sarasota County have a history of inequity? Yeah, and just like a lot of places in the South um, have this history of inequity, we do as well. Um in Florida here, and in specifically in Sarasota County and the city of Sarasota, African-American residents were um, forced to live in certain areas. And in the city of Sarasota, they were um, asked to live in um, this uh, area of town called Overtown, and then they were forced to move to Newtown. So this was um, the time of segregation, and there was racism um, that played a lot of roles in the um development of our community and then where people lived and how they were educated. But our African 
American community is very strong. We have a great nonprofit group in our area that gives history tours called Newtown Alive. Um, and they've been continuing to educate our children and built um, businesses in these areas. Can you tell us about the energy burden that these low-income families face? And can you tell us what is an energy burden? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that everyone probably in the U.S. is experiencing right now, especially with the inflation and high energy and utility costs and those increasing. But specifically in Sarasota County, um, we have studies that show that 53,000 low-income families are cost burdened, and that means they're spending upward of 30% of their monthly income on housing costs. And we actually have a study, and this was from a few years ago, but it shows that Sarasota County residents, if you're low-income in our county, you're spending 13 to 19% of your income just on electric bills alone. Wow. And, med- and median plus income residents are only spending two to 3% of their income on electric bills. And this is due to living in um, older homes that don't have efficient appliances and don't have upgraded energy efficiency uh, products or insulation, HVAC systems, those types of things. So they're spending a lot more money and on their utility bills. And so our, our program that we're going to talk a little bit more about um, in a second kind of helps those uh, residents. That happens to be my next question. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it is, uh, what programs do you have to address this issue? Yeah, so we started um, back in 2012 with a program called Energy Upgrade, and we got a grant from the Department of Energy, basically to educate homeowners about ways they can save energy, water, and money at home. And then in 2016, we got that data that Sarah just mentioned about how many cost burdened and uh, families we have locally here. So we kind of refocused the program uh, to focus specifically on low-income groups. And then that was in 2016. And then in 2018, we started an energy coach volunteer program. So basically we train volunteers to go out into these homes and do energy and water efficiency retrofits that we'll talk more about um, later. And then we had another training in 2021 and we plan on doing another one next year. Wow, that's interesting. You know, I have a 100-year-old house. And, um, I mean, there's only certain things you can do. I mean, it's a wood floor and it's above ground. You can't insulate it because it would rot. Uh, You know, it's the way the houses are built to make that. But uh, I would be very interested in actually getting that data so I could actually look at what I would do to improve uh, on my house. If that is that going to be available, the data? Yeah, and I'm always— Yeah, I'm always happy to share information. And even just off the top of my head, um, if not insulation, you can always weatherize and use rope caulk and foam tape to help seal any air leaks. And if you have single pane windows, you can get double pane windows that'll help insulating. So 
Yeah, there's yeah. a few. It's a lot. It's very. Exp- I actually was going to replace all my windows, and it's very expensive. And to just get somebody to do window installation was nearly impossible. Just in really, my, yeah, it was very hard. And I have a lot of I'm professional garden designer, so I had a lot of people that I knew that build things, and so I had a you know quite a few to draw on. And um, I ended up giving up and just repaired all my windows uh, to make them the best that they could be. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to know. I'm definitely going to look more into that. Another option, especially for people who don't have the uh, funds to replace windows because it is super expensive, is solar window film is a good option as well. Oh, God, I wouldn't be able to see great. outside my beautiful place <laughs> do that. That wouldn't work for me just because okay. I'm aesthetic is so uh, intense. <laughs> so, um yeah, let's. I have to do our re, not have to, but I'm. I'm supposed to be doing our reentry on a regular basis, so we're trying to get on top of that. Uh, I am Annie Ellis, and you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guests are Sarah Kane and Aaliyah uh, Garrett, Extension Agents for Sarasota County. We're talking about solving the energy bur- uh, burden uh, for underserved community members and local nonprofits in Sarasota. If you want to be part of this conversation. Please give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at djwmnf.org and we will respond on the air. And we have a couple of text messages. One is from David Bryant, who participates regularly. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. He says, hi, all. I'm doing my part for sustainability and have been so for over 10 years. I've been working from home for my current employer and former employer, so I do not have to drive to and from work That's every nice. day. I like to think that I'm reducing my carbon footprint by reducing my carbon emissions significantly in the past 10 years. What does your guest think about this trend to work from home and its impact on the environment? So, uh, Aaliyah or Sarah, I know in the past two years due to COVID, lots of people have been staying home to work. They discovered they could. I think they made it available. Yeah, and now people are like, now that I don't want to go back. Yeah. So how uh, I don't see why they would have to, quite honestly. Yeah. But, so Leah and Sarah, do you have an idea of how strong of an impact that is? Yeah, I I would say that. So for carbon emissions, transportation is actually the biggest sector of carbon emissions when we're talking about greenhouse gas emissions. So anything that you can do to reduce your miles traveled and the time that you're in a vehicle is a very good thing. And, you know, we've experienced that just in our work, um, having to travel to a lot of different meetings before that were in person. Now we can do a lot of those meetings online. So that's been super helpful. And it's a good way to reduce your carbon footprint. So much easier. Very good. Yeah. You know, I was thinking I probably should have invested in Zoom about two years ago. Oh, you did it? Oh, my God. I've been doing Zoom since day one. No, investing. Like. Oh, investing in market. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah, that would have been smart. Yeah. All right. So we have, a, we have another uh, message from Bubba. Oh, Bubba, hey, Bubba. we've missed you. <laughs> he says, what's your guest's take on wrong DeSantis's policy on sustainability? Oh. I think he considers it to be too woke, but he's <laughs> wrong on just about everything. <laughs> Thanks, Baba. <laughs> My soulmate. <laughs> I, I completely forgot the headline because it was so disgusting, but it was from like Friday, just a few days I, ago. But Sarah and Aaliyah, can you, how is um, Florida, okay, 
we're in the penin- we're in the <laughs> peninsula. We have a lot of climate change going on, sea levels rising. Yeah. Florida, we're, resp- we're having response to that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. how do you guys uh, feel the current administration is? doing as part for sustainability? <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll talk about one part of sustainability as, as we talked about in the past, um, just earlier, there's many different sectors of sustainability, many different topics um, to be sustainable. I think uh, resiliency is two different ways. Uh, it's looking at the mitigation, so reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and becoming more energy efficient by doing that internally in your in your buildings, but also um, solar is a really good way. And also adaptation uh, for sea level rise and some of these climate resiliency issues that we're experiencing. And we were uh, one of the cities and actually all of um, the cities and counties now in the state of Florida are participating in the Resilient Florida program, which is a new state statute that just got established by our state. Um, And that's really good news because it's allowing all the cities and counties in the state to do a sea level rise and climate vulnerability assessment and adaptation plan for our communities. And it's it's allowing us to get together and um, be on the same page as far as the scenarios that we're using and the criteria that we're using. Um, And it also established a fund for $100 million um, per year to do projects, uh, adaptation projects, stormwater, and um, restoration type of projects that are going to reduce flooding and sea level rise in our coastal communities and inland. So that part of um, what's happening at the state level is really exciting. That's really interesting that you just said they're having the assessment and the adaptation, because I know mm-hmm. we just had the tree people on here and they're doing assessment every five years, but there's no adaptation. There's no changes related to that. So unless you have that second part and the money yeah. to be able to back it, mm-hmm. it sort of just gives you the numbers of how bad we're doing, you know. Well, it's good. not all doom, no, doom and, and, and good. <laughs> Although I did read the paper a lot yeah. this, and I had to stop <laughs> yeah. because it was so bad. All right. So uh, I was also doing some private uh, research this past week, and I learned that Florida spends $500 million a year on invasive Plants and animals. And so if we just didn't plant <laughs> continually those invasive uh, yeah. species, we'd be doing pretty good. All right. We got a couple more text messages, but we do have a phone call from Vinny, and he has a question about solar panels. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show, Vinny. That'll be on next week, too, by the way. Hey, thanks. Um, really, I didn't have a question. I, I had a couple of uh, points. My my wife, Terry, and I live in Palm Harbor, Dunedin, actually Dunedin. And uh, we placed, uh, well, first of all, we got solar panels about four years ago from a local company who's still in business. He's doing a great job. And uh, one of his contentions was that he and other installers and um, panel manufacturers visited Tallahassee to convince the, um, to try to take utilities were trying to, um, do their uh, so they so they tried to write into the law that commercial projects, if they adapted enough solar along with residential, the uh, utilities wouldn't have to extend their buyback of uh, our solar panel. They made that. that. They passed that. 
didn't they? Right, right. Well, they didn't pass. See, he told me that because of their resistance, they weren't allowed to include their um, their solar fields that they're building as part of the commercial adaptation, hmm. which is something they got out of that legislation, which is good for us as consumers, as well as uh, I just wanted you to know that my electric bill is $14 a month, <laughs> where it yeah. used to be $400, $450 a month previously. Do you get payback? Do you get payback on uh, excess? We, we haven't got payback yet, uh, but... Um, you know, I'm happy with 14 Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I don't mean to diminish it. I was just wondering. No, no. We did a yeah. COVID refi on the uh, on the whole house, uh, planning to replace our doors and windows. And uh-huh. we paid off the solar field because it was four, uh, 3 point or 4.9, and we got it down to like two points on the on the whole dang thing, which was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so we paid that for the solar deal, and we got windows and doors. And guess how long it took to get the windows and doors? How long? Eight months before they were even able to say, okay, we've got yours. Well, and, and amazing that you had a reputable guy that would put them in, or a woman oh, yeah, doesn't I, have to be a man. I, I, I actually did, and I'm, I'm very pleased to, I, I'm pleased to endorse either my solar guy or my windows and yeah. door guy. But one thing I wanted to correct our host, and love this program, love it, mm-hmm. is that, that that film that you can put on your windows, you're perfectly able to see through Oh, good. It. Good mean, news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's completely transparent. Oh, okay. Extremely yeah, thank you for saying that. I was going to say, it's not like tint, like window tint. Yeah, A well, lot thank of you. I appreciate I that. I didn't, want, I didn't want to dissuade anybody from... <laughs> yeah. That. That's the least they can do to help. Uh, I mean, I had to close two doors in my house, uh, and I took $80 off my then electric bill. The part of our house was like an oven, and yeah. the rest of the house was well insulated. So you can do some kind of things just by closing a door now and then, and and and, and uh, you know, kind of reduce your electric bill that way. But anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are on the, on the air, and thank you for uh, this wonderful show. Thank, thank you, you for your great comments. Really yeah, appreciate it. It was excellent. Thank you, Vinny. All right, so uh, Ali and Sarah, how have you worked directly with housing provide? providers to promote energy equity? So in addition to the work that we do with residents, like the consultations and working with nonprofits that serve low-income folks um, and giving out do-it-yourself energy kits that include like low-flow shower heads and faucet aerators and LED light bulbs to help families start saving money right away, we started um, we actually applied for a grant program through FDACS, which is the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. And that grant was for $100,000. And basically, we purchase energy and water efficient appliances and give them directly to housing providers. So the first step in that was doing a needs assessment survey. And basically, we asked um, or we sought out all of the low income and affordable housing providers in Sarasota and told them we had this funding and asked, would you need HVAC systems, refrigerators, um, things like that? Because as Sarah mentioned, older um, apartments and homes have older appliances that aren't as efficient um, and therefore cause residents an energy burden. Uh, So we ended up having three housing providers that uh, we worked with to get all new HVAC systems, refrigerators, and other appliances as well. And we're going to continue monitoring through next year to see the energy 
um, efficiency improvements and just see how much residents are saving on their utility bills. Oh. So that just goes at it from a different angle. Instead of working with uh, residents and giving them small retrofit items, these are larger appliances um, that we work directly with housing providers for. What is that, uh, those initials that you said it was FD what? FDACS. So FDACS, it's the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Thank you. And the grant that we have is a low income residential energy efficiency grant. And that's only for uh, residents of Sarasota? Yes. And that one, we work directly with housing providers. So they have to be located in Sarasota County. So we've been talking about residents. And do you also help nonprofits? with their energy burden? Yeah, we actually applied for a grant back in 2018 uh, to work with um, the city of Sarasota sustainability staff, ourselves, Sarasota County sustainability staff and local nonprofit, I mean, excuse me, local foundations. That's been a very successful program. We started off with a small grant and then we got more foundations involved. So currently we have the Charles and Marjorie Branzik Foundation, the Gulf Coast Community Foundation, and the Community Foundation of Sarasota County and the Selby Foundation all participating in this program. And what it does is it, it gives uh, funds to local nonprofit organizations to do energy audits of their commercial buildings. And through those audits, they can identify different projects that they can do to save energy and water in their buildings and become more efficient. So they're doing things like um, you know, doing uh, buying new HVAC systems, doing weatherization, new windows, LED lighting, and those types of projects. So we also gave them funding to do those projects. And what what they're doing and saving on their utility bills, they're actually putting that money back to the nonprofit programming, and it's all going to underserved community members, environmental organizations, and other human services nonprofits uh, for that work. And so it's grown from a little tiny grant into a bigger movement of how are we working with local government sustainability staff, our local community foundations, and nonprofits to all work together to highlight sustainability and work on climate action together by starting with energy efficiency. And that's actually grown now into also um, providing solar projects. So now four of our nonprofits that went through the energy efficiency measures are now doing uh, solar projects on their buildings. I am so impressed. <laughs> really, you guys, uh, how I, I just think that your team is excellent. And I wonder if all the other teams are that good. <laughs> you, know, but you know how to write grants. Can you, you know speak to, to the other 67 exactly. counties? <laughs> I'm thinking what people ought to do is call their county, see what they have, and then sh uh, let them know what perhaps they could look into. Because I think you guys uh, have it figured out. Seriously. Oh. Thank really? you so much. And we're actually working um, through the extension level. Um, we're working with other counties to try to get them to yes, adopt this yes. program. So we're currently doing that. Um, Aaliyah has been working with our director on putting a teach the teacher. See, that's um, a great idea. Right presentation there. together. Yeah. Um, so that 
Yeah. Any any one of the counties can at least start with the energy efficiency education portion. Yeah. Um, and then apply for grants to do the same thing in their community. So that, that's really exciting. That would reduce the curve. I mean, you've already done all the work. There's no reason why they have to do that, you know, do that whole thing again. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm pretty thrilled. Do you have something over there that you need to read or something, yeah. Penny? Okay. So I'm looking at it and jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple of messages. Okay. So uh, Jan wants to know, or Jan says, we want solar, but our roof still has a couple of years left before we need to replace it with a new one. Should we wait until our new roof is installed? Or what do you think, uh, Sarah and Aaliyah? Um, yes, if you need to install a new roof, uh, I would do that new roof first before you consider solar. If you're going to just wait, if it's just going to be two years, I mean, you should just go ahead and do it. Uh, as far as getting the roof done, right? They said a couple of years. A couple so. of years. We'll that see. could mean anything. I yeah. know. I bought my house 10 years ago. They said I, need, I needed a new roof. Then I just uh, did it like two years it's ago. It's so funny because <laughs> I have a flat roof, which people said, don't buy that house because it has a flat roof. Well, I had it uh, redone all the way down to the boards, uh, I don't know, 18 years ago. And according to your insurances, you're supposed to have your roof redone. Well, it's perfect. It doesn't, it has zero problems, zero, 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 because it was the best guy to do it. And there's no reason for me to get a new roof, which is funny. All right. So we got a couple more uh messages. One person, an anonymous person, suggests that people should just stop buying stuff that needs to be delivered, especially like the next day well, to help yeah. with their carbon footprint. That's true. And I agree with them. And uh, I don't know if this is specific to Sarasota, but do you, uh, Sarah and Aaliyah, do you know if you have any type of tree planting replacement program in your city or county? Yeah, we do actually. We have a tree juvenation program in Sarasota County where residents can get trees to, to plant in their yards. And um, we like to, uh, you know, do native trees, but also um, a little bit bigger trees um, so they can provide shade and, instead of like just the little seedlings of trees. Um, and we have a lot of education on the benefits of trees. We actually, Aaliyah just did a, a really great fact sheet on the car, uh, carbon solutions, kind of climate solutions and the benefits of trees and how, you know, trees reduce uh, or carbon sequestration yes. and the types of trees that are better for that versus others. So oh, that's a good point. That's and, a good point. Yeah. So instead of like planting a cabbage palm, you could plant a live oak. Oh, you mean like a real tree, not a grass? Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And are people able to get these trees through the extension office then? Yeah, you can contact us and we can uh, connect you with all the resources. That's Very fantastic. Good. I know a lot of other cities and counties do a tree, have yeah, a tree we program. We have a tremendous well. program, but they only put them in the, uh, the median, like right before you get to your house. So that really doesn't do a lot. Do you guys put it in the yards? We actually just give them away because on oh, private put property, it's a little bit harder to do that, but okay. we will give the trees away to private residents. Okay. They can put them wherever they, they want. They have to pick them up and they have to plant them themselves. Okay. But then, yeah, the the part where, you know, we're planting more trees in parks and preserves and public areas, we, we do that as well. But for the private properties, we have to have the residents pick up the trees. Yeah. yeah. Very good. So that question was from Amy and St. Pete. 
But Amy, if you're still listening, you can probably just contact your extension office and see what their program is. And we is. have a tremendous program here. But that's only in Hillsborough County. In Hillsborough County. Yeah. Do we have any more write-ins? Yeah. Oh, good. Um, there's another question. They want to know if the Sarasota guests do any work with New College of Florida. They think that the New College has been in the forefront of sustainability for many years, yes. and it is one of the first colleges in the U.S. to add an environmental studies program, he thinks, in the 70s. And he's a New College alumni, and he's very, oh, that's pr- great he's very proud of all their accomplishments. Oh. So do you guys have a working relationship with them? Yeah, so we actually are going to be hosting our annual Sustainable Communities Workshop there this year. Oh, very good. Yeah, um, so last year it was online, but this year it's going to be a hybrid event. So the in-person part will be at New College, the Harry Sudikoff Center. Um, And we're going to be discussing carbon sequestration, regenerative agriculture, climate change, social equity, and a lot more. And we know New College's history uh, with sustainability, and hopefully we can get the new president, Pat Oker, to speak on that at the event. Um, And our keynote speakers, uh, if you're familiar with Julie Henry, she's local and she worked at Moat and wrote a book called Wisdom of the Wild. And she does a lot of, yeah, I love it. And she does a lot of work with like leadership and what we can learn from the animal kingdom. So that'll be great to hear from her. And then our second keynote speaker is going to be Sophia Kiani. And she does a lot of uh, climate change accessibility work with the United Nations. Um, So basically she visited her family, I believe it was in Iran like 10 years ago and was talking about climate change. And she realized that a lot of her relatives hadn't heard of it and didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. So she went on the United Nations website to pull up some of these important documents to show them and realized that they were only in like five languages. Wow. Um, Yeah. And it's some of the most important climate documents that everyone needs to see. Yes, of course. Translated. Um, So she does a lot of work. Um, She ended up creating an organization that works with the United Nations to translate climate documents into all languages. That is Um, fantastic. Yeah. So it's really part of that like people pillar of sustainability, which is a really big focus of ours. So I'm excited to have- How would someone register to go to that event? Because I just love that. that I think I want to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope to see you there. And um, all of our classes and events are on our Eventbrite page. Okay. So you just go to Eventbrite forward slash Sustainable Communities Workshop, and you'll be able to register right there. I'm. Uh, they send me everything on Eventbrite. I love that. <laughs> I, yes. I yeah. wanted to mention another webinar on uh, August 11th. I know you guys are not the instructors, but I don't know if you could share more about it. It's titled Sustainable Food for Your Lunch and Learn, and it's about your grocery shopping habits and how they impact food waste. Do you guys have any more details about that? Because that was my concentration. And I think, you know, that's a giant food waste. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, yeah, that's a huge horrible thing, thing for yeah. carbon emissions. Yeah. We actually have uh, two, two or three people in our office that work on food waste, uh, food waste reduction and educating people about grocery shopping and growing your own food. Compost. And all those things. So we have a waste reduction agent His name is Randy Penn, and he talks about food waste. We also have a family consumer sciences agent, Maria, and she does the grocery shopping list and uh, how to become more sustainable with that. And then we also have Mindy, who is our 
garden, a school gardens and community gardens coordinator. So she does a lot with um, the gardens and then also working with our family nutrition program, which educates families about healthy eating. And talking about the three pillars, food waste, it's just so obvious Like you're going to waste your money if you're wasting your food. It's bad for the environment. And then it's bad for the people because you might be eating, you know, bad food, spoiled food. Well, and you just... Unhealthy food, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, most people don't compost. Even if they had uh, rotten food, they're not putting it in a container to create soil that's going to work on their garden because they may not have a garden. That always works out in, you know, small... Uh, places yeah. like apartments and stuff like that. That's it, yeah, it's a really know, easy thing to do. It sure yeah, is. That's exactly what I was going to say. I actually live in an apartment. And, and you do compost? Uh, I do. Our waste reduction specialist, Randy, who Sarah just mentioned, I took one of his permacomposting classes. Okay. And, so you do it um, inside your house? No, I actually have a little back porch. Okay. Um, and I have them out there and put all my food waste in it. Um, so you do soil. a worm uh, situation? Is that what you're Yes, doing? I okay. do the worms. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. See, there's always a way if you just <laughs> look and just get the right resources to be able to figure that out. And if those resources are in your language. Well, uh, that, that actually yes. blows my mind right there. I, you know, because I speak English and it's such a universal language, I just forget about how some of these you know, countries don't have it. It's, yeah. it's remarkable to me. And what on a that, great job a woman is doing to get that done. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. And on that language accessibility topic, it just made me think a lot of our documents in our sustainability program, uh, we have a focus on translation as well. Oh, so good. we translated all of our documents to Spanish. Oh, very good, yeah. We reached out to the county um, about demographics and there's a big Russian uh, population down in Northport and a Haitian population in Newtown. So those so, are the languages we'll do next. So that's fantastic. So you did a research of what needed to be done and now you're fulfilling it. See, that's the key. You know, do the research and then fulfill the end. I find that the first part happens a lot and then the next doesn't. So good for you. You guys are doing a great job. All right. So thank you guys. We're going to take... Uh, a couple of minutes to talk to Kitty Wallace. She's part of the Sustainable Living Events team, and she's going to tell us some events that are happening locally. Hello, Kitty. Hey, Kitty. Hey, hi, everybody. Good. Listen, this afternoon at 4 o'clock at the Gulfport Library, Grand- Gardener Grandpa is doing a special program for uh, about the tropical fruit. So that he is an awesome presenter, and I think that would be very enjoyable for kids and families. And then on Saturday, there'll be a an open house at Neem Tree Farms uh, in Brandon, and there's a plant swap with that, but there's also just an open house to come and become informed about Neem Trees and Neem Products. There is a, um, a conference coming up, the uh, Grow Gardens Conference, co- hosted by the Coalition of Community Gardens, is August 27th, but we'll talk more about that as it gets closer. And on Monday night, the Sustainable Urban Agriculture Coalition in Pinellas is having uh, their uh, meeting at 6.30. And that is, can you, you can find that on their uh, Facebook page, the Sustainable Urban Agriculture Coalition. They're having a panel of five local experts. So I hope that everyone has a chance to avail themselves of those opportunities and uh, 
Have a great week. That's great, uh, Kitty. Kitty writes a uh, an art, uh, article in the Tampa Bay Times, and in fact, it turned out perfectly. Uh, Vicky <laughs> Nettles, who is uh, the Neem Tree Farm, uh, she has a whole article. Who's in been the, on the show? Has been on the show. That in person, it was so fun. Right. And uh, <laughs> but she's she has that a big article that you just presented her to write, so anybody right. can go to that uh, to the Tampa Bay Times and and read that. It's for Sunday. Read more about the. Uh, neem, yeah. neem products and neem trees. Yeah. There's an article in the, in the home section uh, this past Sunday. Yes, yeah, it's very you, good. You're welcome. I read everything. <laughs> you're, you're great. I <laughs> thank love you, what Kitty. You do. Thank you, dolls. Okay, bye. bye, y'all. All right. So, uh, Aaliyah and Sarah, we just have a couple of minutes. Can you share in an organization that's had a really great success story about That'd be a nice lifting way their energy yeah. burden? Yeah, actually, Children's First is a success story that we talk about all the time. It's a, a nonprofit organization, and it's through um, the Children's First is an organization that's in a lot of different counties and areas, but they provide child care for low-income families, and they um, did a bunch of energy efficiency projects and solar. So now they have saved um, about 20 to 30% um, of their energy use just from energy efficiency. And um, now they have solar, they put in LED lighting, a new HVAC system, uh, weather stripping, and also uh, a faucet aerators and some water efficiency projects as well. And they're just a really good example of how our Partners for Green Places program works because um, the money that they're saving on their utility bills, which is is really high right now, especially for nonprofit organizations and bigger buildings, um, the energy costs have just went up tremendously. And so any money that they can save on their operating costs um, and, and that money they yeah. can put back into their programming to give that back to the children, it's just it's great. great. And it, it it, it's that full circle of sustainability, right? That yeah. And 20 to 30% of savings That's is a huge number. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, it's like that earlier, that call-in guy, he said, you know, now I can use that money to fix my windows. So exactly. that, that money that's saved is then able to use in other areas instead of straining mm-hmm. uh, the budget, you know, financially, then they're just sort of stuck. It's so, really a great concept. Yes, it is. So thank you, Sarah Kane and Aaliyah you guys Garrett, great. extension agents for Sarasota County so, in the Sustainability Division, and we hope other counties uh, follow your suite. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I think everybody ought to go to their county's uh, sustainability and look what they have. And if it doesn't go into snuff, they need to find out, hook them up to the teaching situation. I need to close the show. So if you enjoyed the show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org. Donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation keeps us on the air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We'll be talking with nonprofit Solar United Neighbors. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, and stay in the loop. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. And remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye. Bye, y'all.